The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okay, very good. Nice to see a lot of people here this morning. It's very good. I see everybody's braving the, the overcast and cold weather. Nice to come out. So I'm going to talk today about something, hopefully there's no like beginners in the room because I'm going to talk about a pretty heavy, heavy topic. Uh, I'm going to talk about something that you might leave here going, what did he talk about? That made no sense. That, so uh, just you know, bear with me, bear with me. Most of the time I don't really know what I'm talking about. So you know, we're, we're all in this confusion together. So, but I'm just here saying something about it. So the thing I wanted to talk about this morning is I first wanted to get you just to reflect on some things in your life and just reflect on what it is that you actually truly value in your life. What are the things that actually mean something to you? These might be things like your family. These might be things like your friends. It could be uh, your, 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 your experience of feeling uh, um, religion. It could be you know, your job or your hobbies or something like that. And so for us, these things that we value the most and give us the most meaning, if we examine these things, we have to ask ourselves, do we really own these things? Do we really have these things? These things that are the most important thing to us in life, do we actually ever really have them? Obviously, Buddhism teaches that uh, everything that we experience is impermanent. Everything that we experience is not self. So if these things that we value the most come under that, what does that leave us? These things that are so important to us are simply impermanent and not self. What does that leave us with? What do we actually ever truly have? And I think, I think there is only a few things that we ever truly possess and that we ever truly have and that can't ever really be taken away from us. And I'd say what those three things actually are is our conscious experience of the world, what we're attending to in our conscious experience, and the time that our conscious experience is basically online. So we only really, I think, I think we only ever really truly have these three things of consciousness, attention, and time. We don't really have anything else. And so if we only really have these three things, you know, what are we going to do about that? What do we, how do we actually use these things well? What actually are these things? So this is, this is what I'm going to try to talk about today and try to, try to go through and hopefully not get too, not, not get too lost in the process of, of talking about that. So I'll talk about you know, what I actually think you know, the issue is here that most of us face. I'll also talk about what I think consciousness, attention, and time actually are. And I'll just caveat this by starting off that there are so many more brilliant people than me that have thought about this in greater depth and greater, uh, with greater insight than me. So this is, this is just me sort of thinking things up and trying to examine my own experience and trying to explain consciousness, attention, and time from an experiential perspective uh, rather than a, like a metaphysical or theoretical perspective. There's so many other more interesting and brilliant people than me that have talked about that, so I encourage you to go out and look at, uh, at some of these things and not take what I say as, as gospel or, or, or the actual way these things are. It's just my 
interpretation of these things and what I experience of it. So I'll try to explain what I mean by these three things of consciousness, attention, and time. And then, in essence, you know, what we actually do with that knowledge, that we only really actually truly have these things, or at least why I think these are the only things that we actually, you actually ever have. Now, so what's the issue that most of us face in life? What's the existential problem that we all actually face within life that we have ex experience? I think the issue here is, is that whatever we experience as our conscious experience, this is what shapes the world for us. This is our experience of reality. And so the quality of the life that we actually have is really determined by how our conscious experience is. And what is determining how our conscious experience is, is being determined by what we're paying attention to within that conscious experience. And essentially what we're spending our time attending to, this is determining the quality of the actual life that we have. And so I think the issue comes about is that most of the time we are actually we're attending to so many things that don't bring us any kind of uh, 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 happiness. We're attending to a lot of things that bring us some kind of suffering. And I think the main issue is, is that all the suffering and all the freedom that we will ever experience only ever arises in this place, this place of our own experience, our own conscious experience. And essentially that our attention is getting dragged around to all these different things. And we're spending our time on all these different things. And this is what is shaping our experience of the world and what we're actually experiencing through our attention and the time that we're actually spending on things, this is what we take to be reality. We take this to be true. We take this to be real. But in actuality, what we're attending to and what we perceive and what we consciously are aware of, this really is a perception. This is the way that we're just interpreting the world. And so most of the time we just get lost in this. Our attention just goes all over the place and we spend our time on all these you know, useless things or, or we spend our time attending to things that really seem like they matter to us and we just forget that this is transient. This is something that comes and goes. And we just get lost in that and we just get flitted around by that. So... As I said, what we attend to and what we spend our time doing really actually becomes our reality. And we take this as reality and we, we can't be convinced otherwise. If somebody else says to you, no, 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 that's not how reality is, you say, no, 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 I, no, I know how reality is because this is what I experience. Nobody else can tell us otherwise. And so we can't actually ever experience anything outside our own conscious experience. This is, this is all we have. If we don't have this thing, then we don't have anything. So we can, and we can never experience the consciousness of somebody else, or we can't experience anything outside of our own consciousness. Once we experience the consciousness of being something else, you're not this thing anymore. You're something else. There's, you know, obviously there's these movies of like people that switch, switch bodies or whatever it is. It's like, but that's just, that's just impossible. It's, you know, once you, you inhibit this being, you become that being. You are that consciousness now. You're not this consciousness anymore. So really, as I said, what we're attending to, this is, this is, building our reality. So if we're attending to things in the world that are negative, we're attending to negative thoughts, we're attending to things that are, uh, are problematic in the world, then our conscious experience 
is going to be negative and there's going to be suffering within it. If we're attending to more positive things in the world, then, you know, obviously our our uh, conscious experience is actually going to be more positive. So in essence, I think, you know, that's the main sort of issue that we face is that all we really have is this consciousness and our attention just keeps moving around in consciousness and what we're actually attending to and what we're spending our time attending to, this is what is filtering our experience of suffering or freedom. So before I, I just keep sort of rambling on about this, well, what do I mean by these three things of consciousness, attention, and time? And as I said, there's many more brilliant people than me that have talked about this, but this is at least how I understand these things. So I'll start with consciousness. The way I think consciousness actually is, is the experience of existing. Consciousness is the experience that you're, you know, that the lights are on, that you experience something, you're awake, you're alive. It's the experience of life itself. Everything that we have, everything that we've ever experienced is only experienced within our conscious experience. We can't experience anything anywhere else. This is the only place that this arises. Now, all, all we actually experience is filtered through this consciousness. And so what we experience at any point in time, you know, at the moment you might be experiencing reality, or at the moment you might be in a dream, or at the moment you might be experiencing some kind of simulation or you're in some kind of experiencing machine you know you, you don't really know what that is but the only th but you do know that you're having an experience so this means you exist whatever whatever reality is you exist so without this there is nothing Without this thing being online, there is nothing. Without the lights being on, you're just not here. And so everything that we've ever experienced is, is experienced within this. Everything you love, everything you hate, everything you've seen, everything you've felt, everything you've uh, uh, thought of, everything you've heard, all this is experienced in this one place, in your conscious experience. And why do I say that this is the only thing we have? Well, when this is gone, you don't have anything. There's nothing. And so why do we have this and not have all these other things in the world? Well, try to not be conscious right now. You just can't do it. You're, you're, you're conscious. That's that's the nature of this thing. You can't not be conscious. And if you're not conscious, you're not here. So the analogy I like to give with these things, anybody that has uh, had surgery before and they may have been under anesthesia, there's this, there's this I, some people are scared of it. I love it. I, I just, I love anesthesia. I think it's, I think it's the coolest thing ever. This experience of I'm here, I'm online, and then all of a sudden it's just gone. And then it's and it's back and it's later. It's like it's so cool. So so this experience of being online, this is what consciousness actually is. And when that thing goes, then you go. Some people are scared of this, but you know, this also happens to us every night. We go to sleep. This thing goes off obviously we're you know we're picking up signals and things like this but essentially it's gone so when that thing goes you go now the the scary thing about this to some people is that this consciousness that we actually have it's only here for a sliver of time it's only online for just a momentary instant 
There's been billions and billions and billions of years that this consciousness that you're experiencing now has not been online. And it's only here for a really, really short time. And there's going to be billions and billions and billions of years after this consciousness goes offline. So it's only here for this really short instant. And the even more even more urgent kind of thing is that you only ever experience consciousness moment to moment. It's never this elongated kind of, uh, my whole life is a conscious experience. It's only ever moment to moment to moment to moment. And it's so miraculous that this happens. It's such a mystery. How does, how does this thing happen? How does, you know, I have this body here and how is this, how is consciousness coming out of this? This is the greatest mystery that we face. How do, how are we actually conscious? It's mind blowing. So a lot of what I'm describing here, if you're thinking about it in the Buddhist sense, you might be thinking, well, is he talking about the six sense bases, the consciousness of the six sense bases? And I wouldn't really say that I'm, I'm getting at that. What I'm probably more getting at is, if you're thinking at it more in terms of a Buddhist perspective, is the vijnana in the, the link of, the, uh, of, of uh, 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 dependent origination, the third link in the chain of dependent origination, the uh, arising of consciousness. And the, from the arising of consciousness comes nama rupa, which comes uh, 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 body and uh, sorry form and mental objects. So more what I'm thinking about with consciousness here is vijnana in that kind of sense, as opposed to the vijnana of the six sense bases. A lot of us might think as well, you know, well this consciousness, this is the thing that is a sense of self. This is the me because this thing is online now, that this is me, this is a self. And actually, I, I wouldn't really, I don't, I don't think that that's the way it sort of works. Consciousness has to be there before this sense of self comes online. You have to be, have consciousness as the background for a sense of self to arise. And what I think a sense of self is, it's, it's actually wrapped up with more. The second thing that I talked about is attention. Usually what we're attending to, I think that's more wrapped up with this sense of self because we usually attend to different things and we think I'm seeing something, I'm hearing something, I'm thinking something. But in essence, I think what we're doing there is we're attending to these different things and this is what we feel like is a sense of self this attention. And so we can ask ourselves now and take a look at it as like, well, what, what actually is attention? You're attending to something now. You're, maybe you're attending to my talk. You're attending to the sounds in the room. How is that working? Are you doing something? Are you controlling your attention? Or is it just sort of happening? Is attention to things just happening in some, again, mind-blowingly mysterious way? So we usually think there is an owner of this attention. Again, you know, I see something, I hear something. But where is attention located when we look at it? It feels like it's sort of located somewhere in the middle of consciousness, and this middle of consciousness is the thing that I take to be a self. And so, but the more we look at it, we just start to realize that no, this is just attention flickering back and forth. And so, one thing you might think of is that, well, well actually, is attention consciousness? And this is a common misperception that. Uh, attention is consciousness because we think because we're aware of something that this is consciousness but it is there is a difference there Consci uh, sorry attention is something that works within consciousness it attends to different things what you're conscious of in any one 
point, any one moment is massive. There's so many things going on, but what you attend to is very limited. So the, you know, the idea here is, you know, say for example now, again, you're conscious of all these different things, but you're not conscious of how your armpit feels at the moment. But as soon as I say you're not conscious of your armpit, your attention flicks to your armpit. Okay, I'm, okay no, yeah, I know what my armpit But you weren't like that before. And again, so how did that happen? How did attention move that way? It's just, it's, it's insane. I don't, I don't know how it works. I, it's, it just amazes me every time that it actually happens. So the analogy here is consciousness and attention are different. It's like consciousness is more like this massive field, but attention is more like a spotlight that moves around in the field. And the way we can sort of think about this and we can actually know this in another way is there's something called the cocktail party effect, which is, which is like really cool if you've ever, ever noticed it. Um, what the cocktail party effect is, is like you might, you might notice it if you go, you have some lunch here and everybody's talking and everybody's happy and you're eating some lunch and you're talking to a friend and you're basically, you're tuning everything else out. You've tuned out everything that's happening around you. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're really involved in this conversation. Then all of a sudden you hear your name. Somebody says your name in the background and all, what? How, how do you, how do you like click on and hear your name? Somebody said it like all the way over there. We, our attention goes to that. So we're conscious of all these things, but we're just not attending to them. So again, our attention is a thing that actually moves around and keeps moving around within our conscious experience. And this is the thing that pays attention to uh, things where we might, there might be some sort of pain or some sort of suffering, or it might be paying attention to aspects of our experience that are more beneficial and they're, they're contributing a little bit more to our well-being. Now, I actually think that we have very, very limited control over our attention. I'd even probably go so far as to say that we don't have control over our attention. Now, again, What I mean by this is that, is that anybody that's tried to meditate for a period of time and anyone that's tried to keep their attention on something, we think, I'm going to keep my attention on this thing. Does it ever work? You put your attention on something and all of a sudden it just drifts away. How, how does it drift away? I don't know. I don't control this thing. You know, there's times where you can collated a little bit to like stay on something but again you don't really control this thing you can build habits you can build like a habit with it but i don't think you ever really control it and again try to not pay attention now you have you have to be attending to something it's just happening. You're attending to, you're like, what? How do I not pay attention? You're paying attention to your thoughts. So attention is always there. You can't switch this thing off either. You always have to be attending to something. Even when you're in your most relaxed and dullest and switched off state, you're still attending to something. You might be, I don't know, you might be attending to the TV or something, I don't know. But we're always actually attending to something. We can't turn attention off, so we can't actually control it, nor can we keep it usually on something. So this is why I say I, I, I don't really think we have too much control over our attention, and this is scary, because what we're attending to is, as I said, this is determining the quality of our lives. What we're attending to, if we're attending to things that cause us suffering, this is making us suffer. If we're attending to things that cause us happiness, this is where we're happy. So we're just being thrown around by this thing. So 
really, it's, it's scary to think about. Think about this. It's, you know, if you pay attention to something like a pain in your leg, your existence becomes pain. If you pay attention to the beauty of nature, your existence becomes one of beauty. And you don't really control that. It's, it's, oh, it's terrifying, so, <laughs> terrifying sometimes. Now, I'll get on to the next aspect of time. And I think time and attention are really interconnected. How we spend our time and how we experience time is so tied up with what we're attending to. If we don't attend to anything, then our the feeling of a passage of time gets mixed up in some kind of way. How we spend our time is what we spend our attention on as well. So really think about how we actually how it is you actually experience time. Do you experience it? Like and most of us think, okay, well, okay, experience time is time is something where it's, you know, there's there's millennia, there's centuries, there's, you know, there's years, there's months, there's days, there's there's hours, there's minutes, there's all these kinds of things. But think how do you actually experience time? Do you experience it as a block? Do you experience it as a, as a block of 80 years of being on Earth? Do you experience time as a year? Do you experience time as an hour? Do you actually experience it in that way? Or is it more just this moment-to-moment -moment passage? Think about when you woke up this morning to now. You know, it might be three hours for some of you, it might be four, it might be a little bit more. This passage of time between just this point that you woke up and now, how do you experience that? You might think, well, yeah, it was three, it's been three hours, but you didn't experience it as three hours. You just experienced it as these kinds of moments that keep drifting on into each other. So while we think in, you know, Years, days, minutes, hours, all these kinds of things. We never really truly experience time in this way. We only ever experience things moment to moment. These things, this time that we have, this linear concept that we have of time, it really is just a projection. It's a very useful projection, you know, it keeps society together, it keeps us, you know, getting up and going to work on time and all these kinds of things. It's useful, and I'm not to say that it's an illusion, but we just don't experience time this way at all. Really, you don't experience it as minutes, hours, days. All you experience it as is now. That's the only way that you experience time. You can't, it can't be any other way. So all we have is now, and now just keeps slipping away, just constantly and relentlessly, and you can't do anything about it. Again, this is another thing you can't control, but this is the only thing that you have. You only have time, and this time is just this instantaneous moment. And our attention on time is the only thing that we have. And our conscious experience of our attention on time is really the only thing we have. Everything else in that, on top of that is just a manifestation within that thing. So what you experience you know, becomes, you know, what you experience is just this, consciousness, attention, and time. And what you spend your time on, that actually becomes your existence. What you, expend your, expend, sorry, what you spend your attention on, this becomes your experience. And so with this now, you know, what do we do about that? Like this is, it's mind-blowing. Like what, what, do I, what do I do with this now? If this is all I have, if consciousness, attention, and time is all I have, what do I do? What do I do with this thing? 
And, you know, I, I, you know, I spend most of my consciousness, I spend most of my attention, and I spend most of my time thinking about this. And I don't really know. I don't really exactly know what to do with this. I'm trying to, you know, obviously try to work the whole thing out, but it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hard problem. It's a hard problem to get through. And so I think the thing we can at least reflect on is that we can recognize this, that this is all we really have. Consciousness, attention, and time. This is the only thing that we really have. These things I said that we value so much, these, you know, these are important to us, but these are transient. These are manifestations within this experience of consciousness, attention, and time. And so if we can muster up the mindfulness to realize this and to just to recollect this, when we do experience these things that do have value to us and do have meaning for us, we can actually be more within these experiences. We won't let these, we won't take them for granted, we won't let it slip away. We really do have to try to muster up as much mindfulness and wisdom as we possibly can to remind ourselves that this is all we have. And so the opportunity for freedom is within this moment. And again, we just try to recollect this as much as possible and try to not let it slip away and not take and also not take it for granted. You know, we, you know, we obviously we spend so much of our time just going and doing things that we don't like doing and uh, we spend a lot of our attention on things that are, you know, they're not so good. But the more we can try to recollect this, the less we will waste this precious opportunity that we actually have. The thing is, is that the as I said before, all of the freedom and all of the suffering that we actually have, it only arises in this one place. It doesn't arise anywhere else. And so the opportunity that you have to experience freedom, it's right here. But we just keep letting this opportunity slip away from us. We just continue to let it slip away and let it slip away because we get pulled around. So we just, as I said, we just have to muster as much mindfulness as possible to keep trying to remind ourselves of this and keep reflecting back on this. And, you know, not to, when we do get pulled around by our attention and we do drift into all these different things and this kind of, this ego comes online of interpreting the world in a particular kind of way and interpreting the world and perceiving it and building a kind of building a reality through that we just have to be aware we have to try to be aware that this process is happening and the more we can be aware that this process is happening we won't just won't take it as seriously anymore we just won't take it we won't give it as much meaning as we usually do. It's not to say that this is meaningless, but that we don't attach the kinds of meanings that we usually do to it. We can become a little bit more free of this thing. We can just see that what is happening is just attention is moving around and we're experiencing the passage of time and this is filtering this, this experience of the world and really just all that we're attending to and this feeling of a self that's within it is really just this kind of avatar that's been built on top of attention to make it feel like there's a center of existence. And the more we can recollect that, you know, the less problematic life becomes because we don't get caught up in the story so much. And so if we recollect on these things that this is the thing only thing that we have is consciousness attention and time i think also we don't take things for granted anymore these things i talked about that we that, that i asked about at the start what are these things that actually give you value and meaning you don't take these for granted anymore because you realize that these things truly are transient and these are the things that are just in my existence now, so they're important. And these are the things that are right here, right now, 
and I'm experiencing them and I'm existing them. And because I exist, these things are here. And so we just don't take this for granted as much anymore. We don't take this as something that just, oh, okay, I'm here now, so I'll just I'll play on my phone and I don't care what's happening. We become more careful with our existence because we know it slips away. We know it keeps relentlessly falling through the mists of time and that we can't hang on to it. And so we savor it much, much more. We realize this, this mind-blowingly precious gift that we actually have, that we exist, that consciousness actually is online because it's only there for just a moment. And then it's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. So we continue to try to remind ourselves of this, remind ourselves how precious this experience is. We continue to remind ourselves how fortunate we actually are that we actually do get to experience this thing and we don't get as caught up into the kinds of delusions that are brought up within consciousness, attention and time. We don't take it for granted anymore that this opportunity that we have, that this is something that we shouldn't pay, give a lot of meaning to. The more we start to realize that the freedom that we're after, it's right here. The more we start to realize that this suffering that we have, it's right here as well that they're both in the same place. Suffering and freedom are in this same place. They're only in this same place. They're only in this place that we experience the world. They're only in existence. They're only in our experience. They can't be anywhere else. Everything that we're looking for is right here in front of us already. The freedom that we're after, it's already here. The suffering that we have, it's, it's here as well. We can never get freedom in some future time. We can't ever do that. We can't ever get some suffering in some future time. The only place it is, is here. The only place it is, is in our experience right now. The freedom that we want, it's only ever here, it's only ever now. It can't be anywhere else. This sense of self can only be here now in this one place. The sense of no self can only ever be in this same place that this thing arises. Suffering and freedom, they both arise in the same place. They arise in our experience of consciousness, attention, and time. So we have to remind ourselves of this as much as we possibly can. And the more, remind, the more we remind ourselves of this, the more we, as I said, the more we don't take it for granted, the more we realize that what we're actually after, it's here, it's now. There's no need to go searching somewhere else for it. It's actually here for you right now, so don't let this opportunity drift away. So with that, I'll probably call it a, a, a day there. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I tend to confuse myself when I talk through these things, so you know, hopefully you got something out of it, and I'm, I'm more, than, more than happy to, uh, if, anybody, if anybody goes, ah, that, that really didn't make sense, or that was totally wrong, I'm, I'm more than happy to hear it, because I'm, I'm probably wrong, so yeah. More than happy to hear your thoughts. Please come up to the microphone if you have any questions. We're just going to alternate between the physical audience and the online audience. Okay, thank you.
Sorry, sorry to the children that are in the room. <laughs> Man, you hit you, hit you with a hard thing. <laughs> hard thing for a 10-year-old. <laughs> Thank you, Ajahn. No, no problem. Okay, so mm. when I'm lying on the operating table yeah. and, I, and I've been zonked out, yep. my body is still there. Yep. Um, I don't know what's happening there, mm. um, but... Um, I understand sometimes people do talk and other things occur. What's happening at that point? Uh, when you're under anesthesia or something like well, that? Well, for you, you, you're not there, but the body is still, other people are still perceiving yeah. your body as, yeah. as existing. As far as they're concerned, you're you still, still there. Yeah. Um, but your your consciousness is not there. And yet sometimes, of course, and I take it this probably when people are coming out of anaesthetics, but, you know, nonetheless there is some sort of communication or something happening yeah. at some stage. What would you, how would you think about that? I still, you know, reality, so I'm not, I'm not sort of taking like a, a solipsistic view of reality that reality doesn't exist outside your consciousness. I still do think reality does exist outside your consciousness. Other people can perceive, can uh, perceive reality, you know, outside your consciousness, not being here. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ascribe to some kind of illusionism. Uh, wouldn't really ascribe to that, you know. But you know, your, you know, where has your consciousness gone at that time? Obviously, the body is still physically there. Um, there's actually there's actually more recent research coming out that you know even even when you are actually under anesthesia you're still actually perceiving some things you're just you're just not aware of it so uh, they do things like um, uh, play like play music and things like this and the brain actually reacts in ways when you're under anesthesia like you would if you were actually hearing it it's the same thing with something like sleep you're still sort of perceiving the environment, the environment around you, but you're just, for all intents and purposes, your conscious experience of your existence is offline. So the, you know, and so where is your consciousness at that time? You know, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really just don't know. I do, but as I said, I do think that you know, reality still exists outside of that. But that for us, the reality that we experience, we can only experience for ourselves, we can only experience reality through our own consciousness. Um, and the way that we experience that reality is really, really filtered. Does that answer the question or did I get the question right? Or yeah, I think that, yeah, look, I think that answers the question. I suppose, um, you know, I suppose there's another thought in regard to the world, if you like, of transpersonal psychology yeah. and stuff that goes beyond our, our sort of normal perception of yep. who we are yep. and you, you know what's what's happening out there in a, in a bigger space. Yeah. And I, yeah, I take it that we can't really know that. And yet, um, the fact that there's continuity from that, yeah. you know, it's not that we kind of so we leave where we are, mm. we lost consciousness because we. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, and I and I don't know. It's just it's absolutely miraculous. It's absolutely miraculous. The kind of transpersonal thing, I'm not I'm not very familiar with that, so can you explain that to me or I really understood it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I found it a bit interesting in the sense that um, and the best way to to sort of think about it is to just say that you know, you could go to some totally different thing about mm. how certain scientific um, discoveries can sometimes happen simultaneously. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And so um, it's as if there's, uh, at some level, there's a yep. linking of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. the things are working at another level beyond yeah. ordinary yep. perception. Yep, I know, yep, I know, yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure of... Of that, um, as I said, I, I, I'm trying not to make some kind of metaphysical claim here. I'm I'm only sort of really talking about the way that we ex we experience consciousness, at least the way you know you know I sort of experience this consciousness. So I, I don't really know anything outside of that. Um, is is 
is it possible? Yeah, those those things are possible, but you know, I just I just don't know. Um, so the 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 aspect of well, is there come some kind of shared consciousness uh, that you know transmutes across cultures and you know with you know uh, uh, technological advances or something happening at the same kind of time? You know, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know about those things. I I can imagine though that you know any sort of society getting to a particular kind of of uh, period of evolution uh, might sort of start to uh, have the same you know have this uh, develop the same kinds of things. Also, we're very you know humans we're hardwired very very similarly. Where we detect patterns very similarly as well. So. I don't think it's so surprising that we see across different cultures uh, things like art, things like technology, producing uh, something very, very similar because we do recognize patterns and we do recognize patterns in the world very, very similarly. So, but you know, that's not a you know that's not a perfect perfect uh, uh, explanation for these things. It might be something above and beyond, but you know, I don't really know. As I said, all I can all I can really know is uh, what I consciously experience. So I can't really speak too much above and beyond that. So, yeah. Sorry, couldn't answer the question. But <laughs> good question. Yeah? Uh, you can either use that or I'll just repeat it, one or the other. Okay. Um, so you were saying that, okay, with all that attention in your consciousness. Yep. That you don't have control, mm. but so like when you were describing like okay, there's only right now mm. in time, mm. like that really clicked, mm. right? And then you experienced like okay, there's only right now, mm. but obviously it's very difficult, like mm. generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you say there's no control, do you find that because you're meditating regularly that that gives you that ability to train and control, or are you saying? Are you <clears throat> experiencing that now because you meditate more or because, do you know what I'm saying? Or because you're conceptualizing it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, is that I, the point of meditation to get you to that? There is just now. I, like, in a I'm way, in a, in, a, in a way, yeah. Okay. Trying, to, trying to, in a way, sort of nudge, nudge your attention to now. That what is uh, that what is appearing is is now, as opposed to your attention just staying on one thing. Like you know, can we can we keep our attention on one thing? Yeah, sort of, sort of. But it's I think I think it's more the attention that you develop through meditation. This is more like a habit pattern of attention. You can't really control it forever. Uh, is a there's a point there's a point where it can be sort of modulated a particular kind of way to something in the present to pay more attention to the present, but that attention will flick and move and move away from the present. So, in essence, I, th I think you're I think you're right. You know what you're trying to do when you're practicing meditation and you're training in meditation is trying to sort of some way shift this attention on to the present. But again, it's like it's not really something that you have full control over at all. Because, you know, at some point it's gonna wander off. At some point, uh, uh, at some point it's going to it's going to sort of stay and it's gonna sort of go away. So you don't really have control in in that kind of way. So yeah, I think I think in some in some level you're right. That's in essence what you're attempting to do with meditation is to actually modulate your attention in a way that you actually experience the present time and above and beyond that there isn't there isn't anything else and if you can do that again you sink into experience you sink into the now and that's what you're in a way you're trying to actually do with something like meditation and you know, and it is, uh, you know, it is something that 
you know, like obviously it's hard to do. You know, I, I, I gave like a, I don't know, like a half an hour talk of all these things. It's like I, I don't do it all the time. I, I practice meditation, but I don't like I get as lost as everybody else. I get as lost, I get as deluded, I get like as, as wrapped up in the world as everybody else. But it's those moments that you can pull it back. That you that somehow the somehow things just come together and you actually realize this thing again. That this is actually the the sort of uniqueness of it. This is the the miracle of it. And so I think, yeah, that's in a way what you're trying to do, but you don't always do it well. And some of us and some people are better at it than others. Some people might be able to stay in that for longer periods of time. But I don't think we should be uh, disheartened by that in any way. If you can get it for a moment, it's like moment, it's miraculous. It's the, that's it, like that's experience. If you can get that, you know, so many people never, they go through their whole lives and never experience it. It just, you know, they drift the whole life. So even just clicking onto that for like a moment is, it's, it's, it's the most profound thing that you can ever do. And so if through some sort of, some sort of miracle you can continue to keep trying to drop into that, you know, that's, that's really what you're trying to do. So hopefully that answers the question. Can you repeat that again? again please? Yeah. No, we don't we don't control anything. <laughs> don't, don't control consciousness, attention, time, we don't control the sound. So what happens to your attention with depression when your interest in what you used to be interested in is lost and engagement is lessened? Okay. It's, um, you know, with, with something like depression and you have these experiences of like, uh, anhedonia where you've lost, uh, uh, the pleasure of of existence. In essence, what's happening with your attention at that time is it's. I think. I think. You know. I don't know for sure. I think. In essence, it's sort of you're still attending to something, but you're attending to the 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 kind of dollar aspects of life. And this, you know, this might be wrong. I'm not. I'm not really sure. You know, usually, you know, when we experience something pleasurable, we can shift our attention to something that brings joy, that brings well-being, that brings happiness, that brings fulfillness, uh, fulfillment. Sorry, but if we're starting to, our attention is moving to these things that bring, that don't bring pleasure, and we see, and we're interpreting it in a particular kind of way then our attention has moved more to the negative side of things. And that's why I said where your attention ends up going, this is what gives you the experience of suffering or this is what gives you the experience of, of, of freedom or, or happiness. Now, because attention is almost impossible to control, <laughs> or impossible to control this is hard to get out of. This is if you are experiencing this kind of ahedonia, then it's it's really hard to actually pull yourself out of that. And so, you know, we have to, you know, we just have to sort of try to to move our attention more to things that that actually do uh, give us some kind of pleasure. You know, essentially, uh, I think again, I don't know. You know, that it sounds like the attention seems like the attention is moving on to the negative aspects of things and this is now what your 
you're attending to this thing that used to give you pleasure and it doesn't give you the same kind of uh, reactive experience. You don't interpret it in the same way that used to give you pleasure. And so now you're, again, you're perceiving the world in this particular kind of way, but the, the world that you're perceiving is filtered. It's filtered in some way. You're interpreting it in, in some kind of way. You're attending to this thing, but you're interpreting it. And this is what ends up filling your conscious experience, is that things aren't pleasurable anymore. Con like things are dull. Things are, uh, 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 yeah, things that have no more, no more life to them or whatever. So, you know, what do you, what do, you do about that? You know, well, it's, I guess the first thing is to realize that that's, that's, that's what's happening in some way, that your attention is moving to the more negative sides of, of interpreting the stimuli that you're actually experiencing. And to at least to realize that that is actually happening. And to also realize that, as I said, consciousness, attention, and time, these are momentary. And so the thing that you experience as depression, this is momentary. It arises now, but it, in the next moment, it's gone. It has to arise again. So if we can at least try to remind ourselves of this, hopefully this can maybe help us in some way. It does, you know, again, it's, as I said, most of us spend the, the majority of our time sort of lost and it's, it's not a good thing to be, uh, I'm not making light of it in any way. I'm not trying to minimize, minimize it and say, well, everything's just moment to moment. So you, depression is not really real. No, I'm not, not saying that again. This is how we experience the world. All I'm saying is that we, if we can try to latch onto that and sort of see that this is a momentary thing, then hopefully that can actually give us some freedom from that. Right? Yeah. Thank you for the, thank you for the talk, Pante. Just no a, uh, a question. Yeah. We, you've talked about basically us ordinary lay people, how we see things, would you like to maybe try and contrast that with how an enlightened person or how you, from the text and that, an enlightened person would be experiencing? Yeah. Um, again, I don't know because I'm not enlightened, so I, 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 yeah. I, I, I count myself in, the, in the, the normal muck of everybody else as well. So. so how would an enlightened being be experiencing uh, this passage of consciousness, attention and time I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that a fully liberated being would actually be cognizant and aware that freedom is present in experience in the present moment. I'm, I'm assuming that somebody that is fully enlightened would realize that suffering is something that actually arises in this same place and it ceases in this same place. So there wouldn't be an attachment to that. I'm assuming that this person, this, this individual that is enlightened has developed themselves so much that they are continuously aware of this process. Whereas most of us are might only be aware of it for a very short period of time and then we just sort of go back to the muck. Um, but the enlightened being would be somebody that's really, it's not changing for them. They're, they're truly in that experience of that this is the, how the present moment is and this present moment is free. And that there is no identifiable self within this, that there is just this experience and so yeah I, I i again i can only speculate that this is probably what would be and it, and if it if if it is this way i you know it it sounds it sounds great you know it sounds like it sounds like the thing that i myself would want to go for if i could be in this state of realizing that that you know true freedom is now 
and now is always for us. That would be the, the, the greatest thing that I could experience. True freedom from this suffering that only ever arises now and being free from that, that, that sounds like the greatest thing that I could experience. So I, I'm, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that that's what they experience. But again, you know, I don't, don't really know. So <laughs> we've got time for one more. Um, Ajahn says uh, here, um, a person in my life chose to give their attention to gaming and essentially be in the online world. It's what they like, but it causes suffering for others. So how can those, um, so this is the next part of the question, how can those who feel the lack of attention let go of that when their needs are not being met? When the, when the, let's call it the, the, the family or the friends when their needs aren't being met or when the person that's playing the games are not met. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, again, if we can recollect on what I've been talking about, this experience of consciousness, attention and time, you know, this is something that is so hard to recognize and this is something that we you know we truly don't control so this person that is playing the game get their attention getting like lost in the game this is just how most of us are you can't really blame this person for doing that because this is this is just the way attention works this is just the way our experience actually works and so if we can actually realize this within ourselves that this, that this is how attention is that we're usually don't con we don't control it in any way we can actually be hopefully we can actually be more forgiving to this individual that you know that they're lost in some way and we have we try to develop care for them that you know this is somebody that is trying to seek out happiness, which is what we all do. Our, our attention is usually trying to find a release from suffering. That's what attention is usually moving towards. We experience some kind of suffering, so our attention tries to move to get away from that thing. And so this individual that, that is maybe playing a lot of games or something, in some way there's some sort of dissatisfaction, there's some sort of suffering in that person's, in that person's conscious experience. And they're doing whatever they can with their attention to and their time to be free of that. It might not, in your eyes, be the most, uh, you know, the, mo the most, uh, the best way to actually do that. But for this person, this is just this is just what they have. All of us just operate out of out of the tools that we've sort of got in front of us. Some of us, you know, some of us have uh, these very. Uh, yeah, useful tools and some of us don't have good tools and you can't blame anybody for not having those good tools somebody if they don't have them they don't have them so we can try to be as forgiving as we possibly can to this person uh, you know our you know we say you know like our needs aren't being met you know but in essence you know how do we actually make our needs met? We make our needs met by truly understanding what this existence actually is. And we do this by understanding our own existence and understanding that we're just like everybody else. We're just susceptible to the same things. As I said before, it's like I've, I've rattled on about this, but I, I get as lost as everybody else. So me knowing that I get as lost in it as everybody else, this actually does, in some kind of sense, give me some compassion for others. It's like, well, they're just as, you know, they're just as lost as I am. So for somebody who is doing something that you might not think as, as you know, that is useful or beneficial and they're using their attention in this way, just remember that, you know, they're just as lost as you. They're just trying to alleviate their own suffering just as much as you. And so you can do whatever you can to actually support them. If you can, if you can help them in some way to lead a more 
to use that their your use their attention in uh, a better way than you know you do what you can, but then just sort of realize that you know this is this is sort of how uh, our existence is. So uh, hope hopefully sort of works out. So yeah. Okay, and with that, I think I've got, I've gone a little bit over time. So I'd like to thank you all for coming. You're more than all more than welcome to uh, come over, and we'll do the the rice pindabata today. You're all welcome to come over and have a have a shared meal shared meal with us today. Um, anything else, Jinta?